0: There's no end to the depth of what humanity's heart can come up with. And this is why what we worship drives everything about our lives. This is why God is so passionate that we have a singular focus, and that's Him. Because He knows what true blessing is. He knows what true love is. He knows what true kindness is. And He wants to provoke and pull this stuff out of our hearts by His Spirit. But if left up to our own devices, we end up doing things like worshiping inanimate objects.
1: Without realizing it, we can shift our focus away from our Savior and place it on something else. It's easy to do. The world is alluring, and the enemy uses every trick in his book to distract us. Today, Pastor Daniel reminds us to turn back to God and away from worldly idols. Our worship should always be focused on our Creator, not on inanimate objects. Even when we discover we've lost our perspective, we can always come back to God. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study, Listen Up.
0: Let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4. Deuteronomy, chapter 4, as we continue our study here through the book of Deuteronomy. We ended our study in the middle of chapter 4, and really we're in this last section. If you were with us when we began the book of Deuteronomy, I made the point that we're, the book of Deuteronomy is kind of centered around a series of messages that Moses is giving. They're right on the edge of the promised land, and Moses is about to To go home and be with the Lord. He's not allowed to enter the promised land. And so he's refreshing all of the law with this generation that's going to enter the promised land. He wants to make sure that they are well grounded. They all were younger when the word was given to them and to their parents. And so he's making sure that before they go on into the promised land, they are well grounded. And isn't that what we're doing here this evening? We're making sure that we're grounded in the word, that we have an understanding of who the Lord is and what he's up to, what his word says, because his word is designed to be a lamp and a light for each one of us. Now, I ended right in the center of Deuteronomy chapter four. Look at what it says in verse 23. It says this. Take heed to yourselves, Deuteronomy 4, verse 23, take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. So we ended on this idea last week that making any sort of graven image, any sort of carved image is a Huge problem. It's forbidden because the Lord is a consuming fire and the Lord is a jealous God. And so these are very evocative phrases. They're not, it's not like, well, you know, God's kind of nice and he's kind of joyful and he really doesn't like unrighteous. I mean, a consuming fire. You think about a fire that is consuming, right? That's a very vivid picture and that God is a jealous God. And so I ended last week with The reality that God being a consuming fire, see, he will purify what is precious, but as he purifies what is precious, he will completely consume what is common. Think about that. See, fire will either consume what is base or common or useless, but it will also purify what is precious. You think about the picture that the apostle Paul uses about how at the end of our days, all of our works will be tried with fire to see of what sort that they are. And things that are made of wood and hay and stubble, it's going to be burned up. But things that were made with gold and silver and precious stones, they're going to be purified and they're going to be, and they're going to shine and be used forever. So it's a reminder that in the presence of God, the things about us that God Things are not becoming of a child of God. He wants to purify and burn away. But the things in that same consuming fire that God is endeared with and has the character and nature of God, God continues to purify the process. And some of you right now, you're saying, man, God's really burning up a lot of stuff in my life. There's a lot of things that are going on where you're just like, wow, wow. God's really taking that consuming fire and destroying parts of my life. God does that because he loves us, because he cares about us too much. For others of us, you're just like, man, I I just feel this slow burn. God's doing this work in my heart. Some of us kind of feel like it's a little bit of both at the same time, right? Right? I can look back on my own life and there's been seasons where I feel like God has just been literally consuming everything. He's just tearing things down because he cares. He loves us too much to keep us as we are. And there's areas that God has done amazing things in our hearts. And at the same time, God is saying, I'm not done with the work. I want to do a deeper work. And in doing that work, the consuming fire, the purifying fire of God is at work. But God is a jealous God. See, when you read your Bible, what you find is that God portrays the children of Israel as being spiritually adulterous. So when the children of Israel would stray after another God, God saw it as an act of of infidelity on the part of the children of Israel. So the idea that God is a covenant-making God and a covenant-keeping God when we stray from that covenant, God's righteous jealousy comes on up it, because God cares for us that much. Now, again, we use the word jealousy today in a kind of a petulant kind of a way or a pejorative kind of a way. When you think of somebody as being jealous, it's always seen as a bad thing. But actually, part of love is jealousy. I've always used the same example because I think it makes the most sense. If my bride, Lynn... Says to me, you know, Daniel, you know, I love you, you know, but I actually love somebody else too. And I say, Okay, oh great. Cool. Does that mean I really love Lynn? No way. If I really love her and we've made a covenant to be husband and wife under God and before our families and our loved ones, then if she says, I love somebody else, I say, Well, and lets us our kids, we have some serious work we got to do. Because part of loving is the need for love to be unique and specific, not spread out. See, if you allow somebody to love you who loves other people in the same way that they love you, it's not real love because love at its core is desirous of the person. And so God's jealousy is not part of his imperfections. That's Oprah Winfrey said that the reason she stopped believing in the God of the Bible is she was at church and she was hearing God is a jealous God. And she'd say, why would I ever want to believe in a jealous God? When is that ever good? But true love is jealous. Now, don't get me wrong. If jealousy is playing out in a fallen heart built on insecurity, then it can be aggressive and hurtful. The old jealous crime of passion. That has nothing to do with the character of God. But true love is jealous for the love. And God is a jealous God. And God is jealous for your hearts. And the reason God is jealous for our hearts is because God knows that his love is the only love that will satisfy. And God knows that he is the only true God. And when we worship another God, we miss out on exactly who we are and who God is and what life is meant to be. And so when you read things about God being a jealous God and how God will not abide idolatry. Spiritual adultery. That's because God is perfect. And God knows his love is the only thing that any of us really need. So we stop there. So picking up now in verse 25, look at what it says. It says, Now when you beget children and grandchildren and have grown old in the land and act corruptly and make a carved image in the form of anything and do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth "'to witness against you this day "'that you will soon utterly perish from the land "'which you cross over the Jordan to possess. "'You will not prolong your days in it, "'but you will be utterly destroyed, "'and the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, "'and you will be left few in number "'among the nations where the Lord will drive you, "'and there you will serve God, "'the work of men's hands, wood and stone, "'which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell.' But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress, and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice, for the Lord your God is a merciful God, he will not forsake you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your father's, Which he swore to them. Now it's amazing. They're on the edge of the Jordan River, right? And they're about to enter the promised land. And he says, but listen, when your children and your grandchildren and when you grow old in the land, then you're going to stray from me. Now this would be what I would call the problem of God's foreknowledge. It's not a problem, but when you know what's going to happen before it happens, that could create an issue. So you could think that they're on the edge of the promised land. This is the generation that's going to go in and this is wonderful. But the Lord's like, listen, when you get in the land and when you have kids and you get settled and you grow old, you know what you're going to do? You're going to do exactly what I told you not to do. Because God knows the rebellion that we're going to commit. He knows the decisions that we're going to make. And he knows that at some point in the future, the children of Israel are going to start to do exactly what he said. Don't do that. The exact thing. And so he says, when that happens, right, God is going to be provoked to anger. And look what he says in verse "says I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you will soon utterly perish from this land, which you cross over the Jordan to possess. It's an amazing thing that Moses says here. He says... I call heaven and earth to witness against you He's like, look at everything that was made God made this And all of this is here to testify That if we are disobedient to God Then we are going to suffer grave consequences And sure enough, if you read your Bible What do you find? Right? You find the children of Israel After Joshua And then all the judges And there's a succession of kings Right? And the tribes split The 10 northern tribes after the reign of the son of Solomon, a man named Rehoboam. Rehoboam, that kingdom split, the 10 northern tribes and the two southern tribes. And you can see this parallel track. First, the 10 northern tribes, they ended up going into exile by the Assyrian army in about 722 B.C. And then the two southern tribes, which was eventually called Judah because Judah was the largest of the two southern tribes, they went into Babylonian exile in 586 or 87 BC. I say 86 or 87 because depending on which scholars you ask, there's some disputes about the date. So if you heard 86 then that or 87, you heard that, it's both or neither. It's one of them. I just don't know which one. Scholars debate about it. Really smart people. And I'm like, I don't know. I'll just say 86, 87, and we'll figure it out. But what happens is is this is exactly what happens. When people choose not to follow God's plans and purposes, then there are consequences for that action. Now, I don't know how often I've explained this and talked about this, but what's amazing is, is even though we know this to be the case, we still have a tendency to make bad decisions. And I'm included in that. But listen, sin has consequences. When we choose to dishonor the purposes and plans of God, the things that God has said... This is good for you, and this is not good for you. This is important, and this is, you need to stay away from. When God says that, the reason he says that is because he loves us too much for us to hurt ourselves. But if we choose to walk in rebellion against those ways, then at some point those mistakes will come home to roost. Not because God isn't loving, but because God knows the reason he told you not to do it is because if you do it, this is the outcome of it. And so, brothers and sisters, I'm encouraging you to take heed how you stand lest you fall. I'm encouraging you to let the Spirit of God search your heart and reveal to you the areas of rebellion and disobedience in your heart And you need to repent of those. That's what the word is. Jesus used that word. It's the first word of the gospel. It means to turn away from our own ways and turn to the Lord and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Not my ways, Lord, but your ways are what is important. Because what goes on for us is we know what we ought to do, but we choose not to do it. And then when it all blossoms and we're hurting, we say, I don't understand why God is doing this. It's like, no, 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 God isn't doing that. This is the normal outgrowth and blossoming of the fruit of the decisions that you're making. It's not God's fault that he told you not to do it, and you chose to do it. But God is still a merciful God. See, God, and those of you who are parents understand this, where you try and tell your kids, and when your kids are little, obviously you tell them what to do, and then you force them to do it, right? But then when they get older, you can't force them anymore, So then you have to just kind of be like, okay, well, if this is what you're gonna do, you have to kind of let him go, and when it all comes down, you still love him. You're like, I told you that was gonna happen, right? God is warning. This is a warning. That's why I've called this message, chapter four, listen up, right? This is the second part of this listen up message. Because God is issuing a warning, not because he doesn't love his people, but because he does love his people. And he says, look, if you turn and serve these idols, I'm going to scatter you amongst all the people. And then when I scatter you, you're going to go serve their gods. And they're not really gods because they're made of wood and they can't hear. They can't speak. They don't eat. They're impersonal. They're inanimate objects. And what's amazing is, is that when a person chooses not to worship the true and living God, it's amazing the things we can come up to worship. See, the human heart knows no end to its depravity and that might sound like a real negative thing but all you got to do is read history or the newspaper and it's an amazing thing the things that people can come up with i was talking to somebody who has did some research on how the form of capital punishment by which jesus was killed crucifixion happened and he was blown away he's like man the guy who invented that's a real nasty dude i'm like you think The idea that you're going to take somebody and you're going to nail their arms to a a crossbar and their feet and you're going to let them suffocate to death. Like, that sounds like a nice guy would think of that. No! You think about the things that have gone on in oppressive regimes. Humanity's heart knows no. There's no end to the depth of what humanity's heart can come up with. And this is why what we worship drives everything about our lives. This is why God is so passionate that we have a singular focus, and that's him. Because he knows what true blessing is. He knows what true love is. He knows what true kindness is. And he wants to provoke and pull this stuff out of our hearts by his spirit. But if left up to our own devices, we end up doing things like worshiping inanimate objects. Now you might say, okay, so Fusco, you know, I know, yeah, you know. But like, we don't do that stuff anymore. contraire, mon frere. <laughs> you want to see a worship problem? And don't try this at home. When you go to a parking lot and there's one car parked all the way from me, all the other cars, and it's double parked. Why don't you go there and sit on that car? I said, don't try it at home. I'm using it as an example. Can you imagine someone walks out? They're double parked away from all the other cars and you're sitting on the hood of their car. You want to see a worship problem? They're going to freak out. You might get beat up. (gasps) I've never had a Glutus maximus on my hood of my car. (laughs) Right? And they're there. (sighs) I lived in Marin County, California, just north of San Francisco, over the Golden Gate Bridge. It's a high rent district. And it is amazing. You watch people out there and they're like shining up the Jaguar. They call it the Jaguar. The Jaguar little symbol on the thing. And it's like super buffed. And God forbid you even looked at the car. Don't breathe on it. It's like, it's a car. It's a car. Some people like that about their motorbikes, their bicycles, their wardrobes. You know, it's like for, listen, in 21st century America, probably the biggest idol. Is a green piece of paper with a bunch of dead guys on it. They don't speak. It's inanimate. But it's the main thing that we worship for many of us. Because we live in a materialistic culture. Right? And so, even though we don't necessarily make a little statue and say, this is my God, whatever the driving passion of your life is, that is what you worship. Whatever is the thing that you wake up thinking about and you go to bed thinking about, that is the passion of your heart. And for most of us, even maybe like, oh, well, no, it's not my car. It's not the house. It's not the grandkids or the kids or whatever. For a lot of us, it's just us, right? We wake up thinking about ourselves. We go to bed thinking about ourselves. The fullness of the day is thinking about ourselves. And guess what? Isn't that how Satan tempted Adam and Eve? So when you eat at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the reason God doesn't want you to do it is because you'll be like God. And the single problem that every human being has is that we actually think we're God. We think that the world is designed to revolve around us, that everyone's decisions should be based on what we want, not necessarily what God wants or what they might want. It's what causes the greatest struggle in our lives. So Martin Luther said, and I don't agree with everything Martin Luther said, but I do agree with some of the things that he said. And one of the things that he said in his commentary on the Ten Commandments, he said in every heart of every person, it's an idol factory. And the reason the very first commandment, which we're going to get to, Lord willing, in our next study, is that you shall have no other gods before me. I'm the Lord your God. Because he knows that when you break the first commandment, you'll break all the other commandments. The reason you would murder or steal or covet or commit adultery or break the Sabbath day or not on your parents or in a carved image is because it's an idol problem. Everything begins right there with idolatry. And we have to just say, Lord, show me my areas of struggle with idolatry and lead me in the way of everlasting. See, because in the midst of explaining to them all of that's going to go on, there's this beautiful verse that comes out of the middle of this. They're in exile. They're worshiping things that aren't gods. And then in verse 29, but from there you will seek the Lord your God. And you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Verse 30. And when you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice, for the Lord your God is a merciful God, he will not forsake you nor destroy you nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore to them. I love that. See, God's judgment is always tempered by His mercy. See, God does not enjoy bringing the consequences of bad actions upon us. He wants to forgive. But we need, when we get away, we need to come back. And when we seek God with all of our hearts, and with all of our souls, and with all of our minds, and when we turn back to Him, then, then God will meet us. And I believe for many of us tonight, that's exactly what we need to do. We need to say, God, I'm turning back again. I'm coming back again. Lord, and I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey what your word says. I don't like it. I don't even know if I agree with it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because we show our love for God by our obedience. That's how we show it. And don't get me wrong, you may say, well, but I thought we're saved by grace apart from works. Yeah, But we're not saved Unto no works We're saved unto good works The fruit of our salvation is Obedience Because we love To honor The apple of our hearts The most important thing in our life That's why the Apostle John said that God's commandments are not burdensome Because We love to do the things that bless the people That we love Right One of the things that I know when my bride has a busy week, if I bring home fresh flowers, that's always a good thing. You know, she just likes them. They look nice on the table, it makes her feel like it's pretty inside, all those different things. Jesus is real.
1: It's easy to let the things of this world become idols in place of God. Pastor Daniel today warned us against this, reminding us of the Israelites' mistakes from the past. These earthly idols deter us from God allow the enemy to gain a hold in our lives. Jesus is
0: Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. One of the things that I'm the most stoked about is that this year we launched a brand new campus in southwest Portland. We would love to invite everyone to come and join Crossroads Southwest Portland on Sundays at 10 a.m. We're growing, and honestly, not just in Southwest Portland, but all over the country and the world as people join us at our online campus, 9, 11, and 1 p.m. or Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. on our online campus, CrossroadsLive.tv. Now here's Josh with what's coming up on our next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.
1: Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel shares the uniqueness of the Israelite people and the uniqueness of each of God's followers. We weren't made to follow the world, but to stand out from it and show everyone a different way. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Refresh. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.